The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the seventh chapter. Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Here are a few things that are a complete waste of time. Trying to start your car with a dead battery. I made a list for you. Trying to start your car with a dead battery. Going to the DMV without all of the proper paperwork in hand. Trying to toast some toast with the toaster unplugged. Here's one that strikes particularly close to home trying to clean your toddler's face, trying to wipe your toddler's face while he is eating an ice cream cone. Just give it up. It's a complete waste of time. For every time that you wipe some of that ice cream away, there's going to be more ice cream there in that same spot. Those things are a complete waste of time. They're things that would be good to do, useful things to do under other circumstances. But given the circumstances, it is a complete waste of time. Turning that key in that car with a dead battery is not going to get you anywhere. Here's something else that is a complete waste of time. Speaking to a deaf man. Speaking to a deaf man is a complete waste of time. It doesn't matter how loudly or slowly or clearly you speak. It doesn't matter how carefully you enunciate your words, how close you are. It doesn't matter whether there's any background noise or whether it's silent altogether. Speaking to a deaf man is a complete waste of time. Even in the case that a fellow could read lips, There really is only a small proportion of words in the English language that can be read by somebody who reads lips. Nonetheless, the sounds that are coming out of your mouth aren't making it into his ears. Speaking to a deaf man is a complete waste of time. Of course, that's exactly what Jesus does in our gospel lesson this morning. He speaks to a deaf man. The people who brought that man to Jesus were expecting him to do something different. They didn't think that he would speak to him. They knew that would be a waste of time. They thought that he might lay his hands on them. Lots of people, it seems, who were sick or brought their their sick loved ones to Jesus, they thought of Jesus, it seems, as a sort of a miracle worker, as a sort of magician. They didn't think of him as the very son of God, the very author of the universe. They thought of him as some sort of a miracle worker, and so they expected him to do some sort of a trick in order to cure whatever was going on with their loved one. It's like the story of Naaman the Syrian in the Old Testament. He had leprosy, and he came to Elisha the prophet, asking Elisha to cure him, and Elisha told him to go do something. He said, go dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times. And Naaman the Syrian said, that's not what I want to do. I think that you should do something much more magical. I thought that you would just wave your hand over the place where I'm sick, and it would make me well. There's a big difference between a magician 
and our Lord and Savior Jesus. There's a big difference. I want to talk about magic for just a moment because it's helpful to bear in mind. Magic is something that generally makes resurgences in our world. It comes back time and again, and it's the kind of thing that is coming back lately. As the world enters into more and more disarray, people take a fascination with things like the occult and magic, so it's helpful to know just what that is, just how that works. Magic is something very different from what Jesus is doing. Magic is something much more like manipulation. Magic is manipulating the world, either the physical world or the spiritual world. So you can think of it like this. Imagine that you're in a big room, a library, with a bookcase on the wall. And there's chairs and tables everywhere, and there's a window at the end. And you walk into it, and you think it's just a normal room, okay, with a bookcase on the wall. Magic is walking over to that bookcase and grabbing one book and pulling that book down like a lever. And then a trap door opens, okay? So magic, being a magician, is knowing which book to pull, which book pulls the lever and opens the trap door. Being a magician is having some secret or hidden knowledge that can let you manipulate the world. Of course, the problem with being a magician, and you know that magic and the occult and sorcery, these things are very, very dangerous, and here's why. Because while you pull that lever opening that trap door, you don't know what else is happening, what other doors are being opened. It lets you think that you are master of the situation. Look, I know what I'm doing. I'm pulling that lever and that trapdoor is going to open. And it deludes you. It lets you believe the lie that you are in control when, in fact, you didn't put that bookcase there. You didn't put that trapdoor there. You didn't design the system. You are not the master. So what often happens with people who dabble in magic or the occult is that they think they are masters when they, in fact, become mastered by demonic powers, by the devil, by darkness in this world. Magic is something very different from what Jesus is doing. And it's easiest to think of magic as manipulation, manipulating the world. Jesus doesn't have to manipulate the world, and here's why. When Jesus heals the sick, he does so with authority. He's not doing a trick. He's not pulling a lever. He's the one who, with a word, created everything that is. He's the one who, with a word, created the ears that are on that deaf man's head. He's the one who, with a word, withholds, closes those ears. He's the one whose words created the universe and everything that is. You can see that in the word authority. Jesus has authority because he is the author, the author of the universe, just as an author of a book writes what's true, what's real. The author of this universe, God our Father, does not need to manipulate things because he is the one who has created them with a word. But people didn't realize that about Jesus. It was too much for them to see at first, and so they thought that he was there simply being a magician, simply being a miracle worker. He is there doing something much greater. That's why Jesus tells the people so often to keep silent. He did that in our lesson today as well. Don't tell anyone what I've done. Because if the message gets out that here is this wonderful miracle worker, this wonderful magician, the people who hear that message will not have heard the gospel. They will not see, they will not look for his death and resurrection. They'll think that he's come into the world simply to do tricks and not to die and rise to forgive us our sins. Jesus is not a magician. He's the author of the universe. And that lets him do things that would seem to us to be completely useless including speaking to a deaf man. Ephatha, be opened. He tells those ears to open, and they do. It's easy for us to think that it is useless 
to speak to deaf men. It's easy for us to look at that situation and apply it to our world and think that it's useless to speak to deaf men. And of course, I don't simply mean people who are physically deaf, but I mean especially people who are spiritually deaf, people whose ears are closed to the gospel. It's tempting for us to think that it is useless to speak to them. There are two particular situations where I think it's very easy for us to fall into that trap. The first is when we think about unbelievers, people who have never heard, people who have never believed. We look at them and the lives that they lead and we say, they'd never listen to this. It wouldn't make any sense to them. They have a completely different foundation for their life. They wouldn't understand. Their ears are stopped. Look, they've even got their own fingers in their ears. There's no point in speaking the gospel to someone whose ears are closed. It's very easy for us to imagine that it's useless. And then it's easy for us to think that we ought to do something else instead, that we ought to use magic of a sort, that maybe we need to manipulate people in order to get them to believe. We ought to show them all kinds of kindness and goodwill. We ought to treat them to how the church is a wonderful place, full of wonderful people. We ought to just sort of butter them up and make them feel good about themselves. And then maybe they'll unplug their ears and be willing to hear the gospel. That's not how it works. Manipulation doesn't open anyone's ears. There is, in fact, only one thing that can open the ears of the deaf. There is only one thing that can soften a hardened heart. There's only one thing that can bring a person to faith, and that is the word of God. Not as some sort of a magical token, not some sort of incantation, but as the voice, the very voice of the God who created the heavens and the earth the very voice of the good shepherd who calls his sheep home, the very voice of the author and perfecter of faith. There is only one thing that can open deaf ears. So if when we think about unbelievers, we think about all the other ways that we might reach them besides God's words, their ears will never be opened. It is only the gospel. It is only the gospel that can open ears. We tend to think that way about unbelievers. It's very easy to do. We also tend to think that way in another situation. And this is one that cuts much closer to home, I, I know, for a lot of people. This is something that we don't often talk about in church, but we ought to talk about it a little bit more. When people are falling away, when people are falling away, people who have heard the gospel and have believed it, but in their lives are being led astray by false words, false gospels, who are plugging up their ears even as God's word is being proclaimed to them, who are getting out of the habit of being in church. They are separating themselves from God's word and his promises. What do we do with people in that situation? Do we think in that situation that it's useless to speak to deaf ears? That it's useless to speak to people who are stopping up their ears? That it's useless to speak the gospel? It's very tempting to think, just like with unbelievers, that they'd have no reason to listen that they'd never want to hear this from us, that they know what we think, they know what the church teaches. If they want to have it, then they'll come. It's very easy to think that if we speak the gospel to them, it will only make them angry. It'll only turn them away. It'll only destroy our relationship with them. It'll irritate them. We don't want to be those kind of fundamentalist Christians who are talking about Jesus all the time. But of course, there is only one thing. There is only one thing that can unstop the ears of those whose ears are stopped. There is only one thing that can open the ears of the deaf, and that is the good news about Jesus, the precious gospel of Jesus. I have to admit this is as hard for me as it is for anybody as a pastor, and it's my job. <laughs> it's my job to speak God's word to people. But when it comes to people who my flesh 
says, do not want to hear. They will never want to listen. They're only going to be angry. They're only going to think I'm a jerk if I speak God's word to them. My flesh rebels against that, as I know it does in all of you. Our comfort should be in this, that God's word is powerful, powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword that cuts between bone and marrow, that cuts between flesh and spirit, that can cut through a hardened exterior into a heart that is just waiting to be softened by God's word. It can cut through deaf ears and open them up. There is such comfort in that promise. And in fact, there's some comfort to be derived from our gospel lesson. Maybe you noticed that strange thing that happened. Jesus did this very bizarre thing, and I don't really have a good explanation for why he did this. He walked up to this fellow and pulled him aside. He didn't lay his hands on him. He went further than that. He took his fingers and he stuck them in the guy's ears, and then he spit and he touched the guy's tongue. He, of course, didn't have to do that. Jesus can heal with a word. We saw him, we've seen him do that all throughout the gospel. There are such great testaments to people's faith when they say, Lord, we know that with a word, with a word, you can heal our loved one. But Jesus goes sort of above and beyond. He does something very physical and tangible. He uses this really sort of sloppy means, messy, to get his work done. Of course, it shouldn't be surprising to us because this is how God always works in the world. He attaches his word to physical, created, material things. Just think about what God does in baptism, where he binds his word to water. Water which can barely clean dirt off of surfaces. He binds it to water so that that water becomes cleansing of sin. He binds his word to water. He binds his word to bread and wine. Bread and wine, a little bit, just a bit, not even enough to satisfy your hunger so that they can forgive all your sins as the body and blood of Christ given and shed for you. He binds his word to flesh like me. Who am I? I'm nobody. And yet by God's word and promises, here I am speaking to you as from God himself, the voice of Jesus himself, your good shepherd, leading you to green pastures and still waters. It's just like that in how God works in this miracle today. He uses these sloppy means in order to heal this fellow, just as he uses sloppy means like you and me, to reach those who have not heard, to reach those who are being led astray, to reach those who have deaf ears that need to be unstopped. Just think about all of the hesitancy that you might have in speaking God's word to your loved ones, to your friends and your neighbors. What are your hesitancies? I, don't, I wouldn't know what to say. I'll feel awkward and uncomfortable. My face will turn red. I'll stumble over my words. They won't like me anymore. They'll, be, they'll think I'm a little bit strange. All of those things are just like putting fingers in an ear and reaching out and touching that guy's tongue. How do you think he felt <laughs> when Jesus did that to him? He thought this was very strange until when his ears were opened and he could hear and his tongue was loosed and he could speak plainly. Of course, it will seem strange. Of course, it looks bizarre and useless to speak to a deaf man until his ears are opened. And then, of course, it's the most natural thing in the world. That should give us such great comfort. To know that God is totally willing and, in fact, intends to use such sloppy means as you and me to spread his gospel in this world. And here's some more comfort for you as well. For this is exactly what happened to you. You once were just like that deaf man. Your ears were closed. In fact, you were sticking your fingers as hard into your ears as they could so that you would not hear God's word. That's how we all are by nature. Filling our ears with other words, other voices, lies. Not the voice of our shepherd. Words that are comfortable to us. Words that lead us astray. Words that fill us with vain hopes. 
That's how we all were by nature. Until God's word did the thing that looked most useless, the impossible thing that nobody would have thought to do. He spoke to our ears, spoke to our deaf ears and said, be opened. And they were. That's the reason you're here today. It is not because of some manipulation. It is not because somebody was so persuasive or so charismatic. It is not because somebody offered you all kinds of rewards for being in church. It is because your ears have been opened by the gospel, by the good news of Jesus dying for your sins. That is the one and only thing that can open deaf ears. That is what Christ has done for you. Now, he told that deaf man and all his family and friends, he told them to keep quiet, not to tell anyone. Because, of course, he was not yet done with his work as the Messiah. He had not yet made his way to the cross. He had not revealed God's glory in dying and rising again. And so, if they spread the word abroad, there's a chance, a good chance, in fact, that people would misunderstand, that they would think he was just a miracle worker. But what did they do? Did they listen to him? This fellow, his ears have been opened and he can speak plainly. What is he going to talk about? There is only one thing he can talk about. The miracle that has just been performed on him. The more Jesus charged them not to tell anyone, the more they couldn't keep it in. The more they had to tell. How much more should we, whose ears have been opened to the voice of our Good Shepherd, whose ears have been opened to the promise of eternal life and salvation in Christ Jesus, who have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, who have been given a new life, perfect and holy in Christ, how much more should we, even if Christ told us not to tell anyone, how could we keep it in? He doesn't tell you not to tell anyone. He urges you to call all those around you to the good news of Christ, those in your life, those you love and care for. As much as you love and care for your beloved in their bodies, in their physical well-being, so much more should we care for them in their souls and share with them the good news that we have in Christ Jesus. Let this be our continual prayer, the prayer that David prays in Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is the prayer that Jesus, David prays after he's fallen into sin and is called to repentance by the prophet Nathan. And he's rescued from death. Nathan says to him, you will not die. And David prays to God and asks for a clean heart, and he says this. O Lord, open my lips. O Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will show forth your praise. Let that be our prayer continually. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen.